What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. It is Wednesday, April 29th. Man, it feels weird to not say Monday. Um, I'm Pat Zhang alongside Conrad Bayer, Jack Sherwood, and we have a very special guest on this show. Nolan Wacker joins to discuss the NFL draft. Guys, how are we doing today? Best round trip ever. That's it. Conrad, how are we feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. And Mr. Wacker. Doing good. Doing good. Excited to be on today. Yes, this this has been a long time coming to finally get Nolan on the show to break down the NFL draft. It is his Super Bowl. It is his Christmas. Um, and it came and went last week. So that's kind of going to be our focus throughout this show. As everyone knows, there's not too much going on in the sports world, as I feel like I've said on every podcast. So we'll just be pretty centric here on the NFL and the NFL draft. I mean, just initially, just to start with thoughts of pulling off the virtual draft, I thought they did a great job. Yeah. They didn't make any mistakes. We thought that there was going to be, you know, some type of Zoom issue, some type of issue with, you know, the timing. I think it worked perfectly. I know that there was, in Bradley's class, he talked a little bit about you know, as if we're, you know, through the Skype is what happens when Trey Wingo asks, you know, one of those guys, one of the experts, you know, was there going to be an awkward pause? Because I think some, I think it was Emma brought up that that happened during the WNBA draft. But I think it went very smoothly, especially to, like, I know Pat did, and I know Wackman did, Conrad probably did too, and probably just about every other sports fan watched about every single pick. I watched the entire draft. So there was, like, a little, like, outside of Goodell, a couple times where he slipped up, went perfectly. I thought that was actually pretty entertaining, especially Goodell by the end of Friday night when it was getting around midnight where he had A, changed, and B, then just sat down on his giant chair, put his feet up, and started calling it out. I actually thought that was pretty entertaining. And a different side of Goodell that we got to see, because, you know, we usually just see the super buttoned-up robotic Roger Goodell, and we kind of got a human, oh my god, I'm exhausted, <laughs> been doing this for hours, um, type view of him, which I thought was pretty fun. But overall, I have to say, I really think they did a nice job with the draft. Uh, I like that ESPN and NFL Network kind of did it together, and had the same analysts kind of overlap with it, and it really went off without a hitch, which is pretty impressive. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on the uh, kind of how it was carried out? Yeah, I think I think they did a great job with it. Um, I wonder how many technical difficulties might have happened with the teams behind the scenes, mm. um, because they while they did show the rooms, they, I mean obviously you weren't going to be privy to getting any of the audio that they were having. Except if you were John Gruden, you had your entire draft board in the background, which was a real interesting choice by Gruden. <laughs> yeah, well that was a mistake. <laughs> Very clearly, not the vessel. No. The Sean Payton, or, yeah, the Sean Payton having every product that is not that directly competes with the NFL sponsors was a great part of the draft that I loved the first night. Um, but yeah, I wonder how many like technical difficulties it was with getting picks in. It didn't seem anything on the viewer side of it, but I'm sure something must have happened behind the scenes if the Bengals couldn't log in the first day. <laughs> yeah, the one. Uh, the one thing that I wonder, like, that probably happened behind the scenes was the Texans-Viking trade that apparently was very close to happening, and then it didn't at the last second, if you remember, O'Brien just storming off. Yep. Um, so I don't know if that was just, like, 
communication issue, if there was actually some sort of technical difficulties. No, uh, and, that's something we'll find out probably two years from now. And it's a fair <laughs> point to bring up because this NFL draft had the lowest amount of trades in NFL draft history. And I do think that the technology and the part of that, the fact that it was virtual and they were apart, did kind of play a role in that, that all the general managers weren't just right next to each other, kind of be able to facilitate these deals. And then, of course, another great part of the virtual draft was the whole Mike Vrabel situation from uh, from day one, where I'm still not quite sure what was going on in that house. But it was fun to see. It, it was fun to see. So I actually thought it was pretty refreshing, um, especially on days two and three of the draft. It moved a lot faster than it normally does. Um, and overall, I, I give the NFL, ESPN, and NFL Network an A on uh, on being able to pull off what looked like it was going to be pretty daunting going in. I think also, too, it was cool is to be able to see, you know, all the families, to see all the players, mm-hmm. you know, their living rooms, the reaction. So, obviously, you know, a lot of people are invited to, if it's Raider City Music Hall, this year would have been in Vegas, you know, wherever the site is next year in Cleveland. Usually, a lot of those athletes are in person because that is, you know, one of the most important days of their lives. But it kind of shows, you know, now if people do want to stay home, is that there is, you know, kind of a blueprint to do this, you know, be able to help facilitate that. And also, too, just one thing that I thought of is I hope that they do send all these first-round draft picks a first-round jersey, a Borough number one Cincinnati jersey, and I hope that Goodell somehow, you know, finds a way to be able to hand-deliver those jerseys and take a picture because that is, especially if you're a first-round draft pick, I mean, that's the best night of your life, and that's a photo you're going to keep forever. So, like, I do hope, and I anticipate that they probably will find some way to, you know, kind of help make that, is have the number one jersey, first-round draft pick, nice photo with Goodell. Yeah, and, and I think you're totally right. So we'll hop on into it then. We'll go with a couple of the – we'll start kind of at the top and then kind of move our way through and, and highlight some picks as they come up. Um, Cincinnati and Washington went exactly as we thought. Joe Burrow at one, Chase Young at two. I mean, n- not much discussion to put in with either of these. I mean, I do think that Burrow was the best quarterback in the class. I do think if Tagovailoa was healthy, there could have been a little bit more of a debate, but I definitely understand, obviously, the risk factor there. And then Chase Young, I think, is the best player in the draft, so I think the Redskins are going to be thrilled with picking him at two. And kind of as we talked about with our draft preview, they could have a decent defense next year. And especially with Ron Rivera coming in, they they might start to build something there. The offense is a different story because I do not trust Dwayne Haskins. But overall, I think one and two, they followed the chalk. They did it for a reason. I think they hit it out of the park. Yeah, I think part of yeah, no, it's definitely happened. Yeah, those picks. Yeah, but I mean, you kind of saw that for the months leading up. No shocker there. I don't know. There's not really much. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree there. So then Detroit at three, taking Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. I mean, there were some rumblings that this was a spot that could have been traded down, especially to Miami or the Chargers. Tackle was mentioned there. Derek Brown was an interesting possibility that possibly could have gone at three. But again, we talked about it on the preview. I think they made the right pick here with Okuda. Matt Patricia runs a very heavy man defense uh, in Detroit. They traded Darius Slay. It just made too much sense to plug in Akuda here, and uh, it's again hard to really criticize them at all for for that pick. Yeah, I think the only yeah, that was a great pick. What do you say, Wackman? Oh yeah, that, oh that that was a great pick. I mean, I I think you have to go with him. He's gonna Peter Jackson be like an elite man shutdown corner in the NFL, whereas Derek Brown's more of a run stuffer rather than a guy who's going to get after it for the pass rush. Just in terms of positional value, you're getting a just significantly huge difference between positional value between Akuda and Brown there. So at three, it made a lot more sense to go Akuda. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Because you think about what, what today's NFL is, it's all about the pass and stopping the pass. So cornerback is one of those high-value positions, and it makes sense to invest in one, especially one you can get on a rookie deal that's supposed to be rather good. Sherwood, I know you had a point you wanted to get through with Akuda. Yeah, no, I think it just made sense. Obviously, if they could have traded down, you know, they were trying to, you know, talk about that pre-draft. But, I mean, I think it just kind of fell, you know, fell there. And, again, you know, it was continued with chalk. Yeah. And, yeah, and then just as a Bears fan that's going to see this guy two times a year, it's a little scary. And it makes you very happy that they traded Slay and they need to replace him rather than having um, those as their top two um, corners. It would have been... Um, pretty hard for any quarterback to kind of navigate. They did sign uh, Trufant in the offseason, who, if he can get back to where he was a couple of years a couple ago, years that's, ago yeah. still, that's a pretty scary tandem. Yeah, so. a- absolutely. I think Patricia is building a little bit something there. I mean, I'll, I'll get into that more um, kind of in the second round and, and past that. But um, And then we go to four. And four is the first pick where I think kind of went away that people didn't expect. I mean, the Giants were going to go tackle. I think that became pretty clear. In the, uh, in the days leading up until the draft. I'm interested to hear your guys' opinion on, on going with Andrew Thomas because I've got mine, and mine's, mine's pretty set with them. It is my team as well. But um, what, what did we think of Andrew Thomas at four? Do you want to go first? Do you want to enlighten us? Yeah, um, he's definitely out of the four, the most pro ready. I mean, you had, obviously, your four guys at the top uh, with Wares, Becton, Thomas, and Willis. So you had those four guys. They're all very close. Um Thomas is easily the most pro-ready, and he also has experience playing on both the right and left side in college, unlike those other guys. So he'll probably project to start for them at right tackle, and then after Solder retires, potentially could move to left tackle, but not to get too far ahead. They also took a perk from UConn in the third round, mm-hmm. who is definitely a lot more raw and will definitely need a city or two, but they really have uh, three good tackles right now and two guys for the future. So you got to like that they're investing on that offensive line for Daniel Jones, who has definitely had issues with fumbles. So if he doesn't get hit, he can't fumble the ball. <laughs> yeah, I think that just, you know, we talked about it the day before the draft is, I think that, you know, obviously would have been a lot of fun to get a target or to get Isaiah Simmons on the defense, but I think it just made sense to help, you know, it's not the you know it's not the pretty pick to go with an offensive line, but you have to, especially the Saquon and to protect Daniel Jones. And I mean, I projected I predicted that he would go there just basically off two things was he went to Georgia, and I knew that I had read one time that he was the more pro ready offensive lineman, so that's why I said that a week ago. But um, I think just what Wackman said is you know all four of those linemen, you know they went what top thirteen, top fifteen is they were all you know they're all basically clumped together. Yeah, I'd go with the, was, with how the Giants are looking to build their team through having drafting Saquon so high a couple of years ago. Is you got to make that line a, as good as it can, and right now it's really not at that point. So you got to invest those high round um, picks on, on your linemen, like kind of like the Cowboys did um, when they were first rebuilding that team. Um, and then yeah, I mean until you get into like the nitty gritty, like nobody's going to be able to tell the difference between those top four. So like. Let's be honest. Like, if they liked one of, if you picked any one of those four, I'm sure Pat, you would have been happy with it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the key was to go tackle there. I mean, looking back, so when I go to the projection and we think about what I said a week ago, I did think it was going to be Jijik Wills uh, going to the Giants at, at that spot at four, and that was mostly because of the you know the Alabama connection um, and his ability to play right tackle, which is where I think Thomas is going to slide in to start this year, and then he'll shift to left tackle uh, after next year. Um, but what I completely 
oversaw, I guess, was the fact that Joe Judge coached on that Alabama staff and Kirby Smart was also on that staff with Nick Saban. So there is a Georgia connection there as well. The Giants did end up drafting uh, a Georgia linebacker in the in the seventh round and, and take Router um, as Mr. Irrelevant as well. But I love the pick. I think Thomas is going to slot right in. Um, the, you know, when you've had these first two picks the last two years of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, you need to protect them. That's something the Giants just haven't been able to do for, for many, many years. So the fact that Gettleman went out and drafted three offensive linemen in his first five picks, I am all for it. And it's time to invest in the offensive line. Thomas was a unanimous All-American last year. He's a two-time All-SEC player. He's going up against the best competition in college football. The the highlights I keep watching over and over again is him just tossing Josh Allen aside from Kentucky a year ago. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled with Andrew Thomas going to the Giants, and I, I think they made the smart pick. And that's what they need to do, because the Giants finally realized that they are rebuilding. They've got a new coach, a young quarterback, a running back on a rookie deal, Go full rebuild, take the tackle, build the team up. Gettleman did that. Judge, I think, had a lot more influence than Pat Shermer did in this draft. Very, very happy with the overall draft class, but we'll start with Thomas. Thrilled with Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I guess just... No, you go... Oh, that's one I wanted to make, too, is, like, when you look at how teams have traditionally drafted offensive linemen, before the new CBA, it was always get the most athletic, raw, upside Mm -hmm. guy you could get. Since then, you've seen it actually be a switch to grabbing more technical guys due to there being less time in the offseason and less contract drills to actually develop these players. So you th- Especially this, this year. probably going to be one of the shortest we've ever had. And with the with Corona and everything, so you're going to have a really short offseason. So this is like ultimately the safest guy who can step in day one. Or if you're taking like Becton, you know, he needs to develop mm-hmm. some more footwork and stuff on the outside. That's going to be a lot longer transitional period. So he may be have a rougher start, whereas Thomas steps in right away left tackle with the shortened offseason too. Yep, I, I think there's a potential that Thomas could start at left tackle and Solder could get moved to the right side this year if Thomas just blows him away come training camp, but we'll see what happens. No matter what, Andrew Thomas is starting day one. It's just on which side of the line. We go to five here with Miami, who pulled off one heck of a smokescreen over the week leading up to the draft, talking about trading up, taking a tackle, that they love Herbert, and they end up with their man Tua Tagovailoa. I love the pick. I love it. I think Tua is destined for stardom as long as he stays healthy. I was so, so impressed with him throughout his entire Alabama career. Yes, he had fantastic weapons at Alabama. Yes, the talent level that he had is above anything else that he really goes up against. But he's also playing in the SEC every day. And, man, I I really think Tua's got a chance to be a star, and I like how Miami's building. Ben, do you want to go? Yeah, I mean... He's really the only thing I think that can really hold him back is injuries. I think someone said when your biggest complaint up about him as a prospect outside of injuries is really that the people around him were too good. You know you're getting a good player. So the big thing for him is if he can stay healthy, make that full recovery from that hip injury, then they have a really good player. And the good thing for Miami, too, is they have Fitzpatrick in there right now, so he doesn't need to necessarily start day one either. So he can really fully recover from that injury. And whenever he's ready to go, uh, step into that starting quarterback role for Miami. Yeah, I think that is true. So obviously, you don't have to you know, start him right away. Is you know, Especially, too, there's the concern with the hip injury with you know, that injury that did you know, derail Bo Jackson's career. You guys know that I'm not a big Tua guy. I think yeah. that, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I th- I'm at the Bills for obviously being 
anti-Tua and pro-Bills. I like it because it kind of, you know, fits right in there. Is I like Herbert a little bit better. Part of that might be Alabama bi- unbiasedness. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm just going to leave it like that as I know I've talked it off over the last, you know, year. So there's no more. There's no need to get into it deeper. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like the pick because I just didn't see it in Herbert. And I thought Miami definitely needed to go with the quarterback because Fitzpatrick, he does give you those one to two weeks or spurts during the year. Um, Josh Rosen just isn't good. There's a reason he hasn't played at all. Um, and Poor Josh Rosen, man. The value of the upside of Tua with that fifth pick is, I think, absurd. Um, this guy went into the year, they've been talking about Tank for Tua for what is it, one, two years now. Um, and the only reason he's not number one is because, one, he got injured, and two, this Joe Burrow guy came out of nowhere this year. Um, so I think the value at waiting for him at five is is fantastic, and the fact that they didn't have to tr- trade up to get him, even though they had the ammo to do it, is even better. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, because think about it. Like you said, two, it was all about tank for Tua, that Tua was going to go number one going into the year. And then, yes, Joe Burrow had the greatest season a college quarterback ever had. And then the other thing, if you're telling me that you told the Miami Dolphins at the start of the year that you finished with the fifth worst record and ended up with Tua, they'd say you're lying. But it just turned out that three of the four teams ahead of them didn't need a quarterback, which is actually kind of strange in the NFL draft because usually teams that finish worst don't have a quarterback. But, you know, Washington's going with Haskins, Detroit's sticking with Stafford, and the Giants just drafted Daniel Jones. So it, it things worked out perfectly for Miami here. And... I, I think they're thrilled. I think Nolan's completely right that they don't have to rush him back having Fitzpatrick so they can give him some time to heal that hip, and it'll be very interesting to see what his ceiling is and if he can stay healthy. Um, but moving into six then, sticking with quarterbacks, with Justin Herbert going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Herbert's an interesting case. He's not someone that I fully buy into uh, to be the go-to guy. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Chargers right now because of the roster around them and kind of some of the deals they made over the offseason trading for an offensive lineman and trying to improve that defense. But I'm not sure what his ceiling is. I I think, in my mind, Herbert is a less talented Josh Allen is how I'm going to look at it. That he can run, he's got the strong arm, he's got some accuracy issues, he's got some decision-making issues, though he was fantastic at the Senior Bowl. So he's a real interesting prospect. I'm not sold on him. I think that's why I'm drawn to him is because he reminds me of Josh Allen. <laughs> like that's why is he's. I don't want to say a poor man's Josh Allen, but I think there definitely is there. I mean, he does took up the roles while they won it. Was a 28-27, 28-24. Scored four touchdowns. All four of them are rushing, or he he come for either three or four touchdowns. That he can throw for one passing touchdown. He definitely does have the legs. And I we did talk about that. His decision making isn't the best. Is his. Um, he just, you know, he's kind of a one-read guy, and he's going to go. So I think that is something he does have to, you know, work on is he obviously is big, and that's kind of what we're getting toward a little bit is, you know, quarterbacks being, you know, taller, being on the bigger side, no longer, you know, 6'1", 6'2", but, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". So I think he does have that, you know, body, and I think talk about someone that probably does need to sit for about a year that would really benefit from a year is Justin Herbert. They do have Tyrod Taylor. I think it would be very smart to, you know, not rush him in, immediately especially they do have a lot of weapons on that Chargers defense or pardon me on that Chargers offense all right um I mean I don't know too much about Herbert just because I mean I didn't watch a whole lot of 
Oregon during his career, so I'm up in the air about him. But kind of like you were saying, Sherwood, is I'm interested to see how they deal with that quarterback room with Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor, he is talented enough to, if given the right shot, to be a, a decent starting quarterback. Um, and Herbert, uh, with the decision-making issues, should probably sit out a year, and especially without the, the offseason and training camp. Um, and not be able to kind of work any kinks out there. Um, I'm just interested to see how, how they're going to deal with that because drafting a quarterback this high, you usually just plug and play them. Um, but with with uh, Tyrod, they they have the luxury of being able to sit him for a year. So I just don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, he walks into probably one of the best scenarios you could uh, go into with a team with all the weapons that they have on the Chargers, but he definitely is a guy that needs to improve his decision-making a lot. And like we've seen with Jameis Winston, it doesn't matter you know, how big you are, how much arm talent you have. If you're throwing the ball to the other team at the <laughs> other possession, you're not going to be an NFL quarterback. And really for them, the big thing that I think uh, – big thing for him is if he can really dial down that decision-making and start to make a decision with the ball, that he may be a guy who will replace Taylor um, after a couple games. But – if he doesn't, they don't see him practice. Then Tyron Taylor will probably be the starter for the whole year. Yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to to watch throughout the year. Um, sitting at seven, if we want to touch on Carolina, took Derek Brown from Auburn, the defensive tackle. I think just the most interesting thing to note is just the theme of Carolina's draft. They became the first team in NFL history to draft players from one side of the ball with every single pick. Seven rounds, seven defensive players from Carolina. Matt Rule really looking to overhaul that defense. Yeah, I know that defense is not good this year. I mean, obviously you have Christian McCaffrey, you've got a new quarterback, you've got some weapons um, on the IGS for Carolina. I think that, you know, he was, obviously they were talking about possibly Carolina taking Simmons. But I thought they were going to take Simmons. I thought they were too, but it's just like the more you watch it, and especially um, putting him with, who was the guy they got last year? Wackman, uh, something Burns, who's the defense end they got from Florida. Oh, uh, Brian. Brian. Florida. Yeah. I, 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 I really like Brian coming out. He's, he's good. But, yeah, that's right. Pairing him with that is that defense. I'm not going to say it's scary yet, but it definitely is uh, well on its way to a rebuild. It's got a lot more potential than it did two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were an interesting team. They definitely had to go defense because they have actually a good amount of weapons. They view Teddy as their guy for at least this year. And at tackle, it's um, an interesting situation where they have enough guys at tackle currently. So it's either really, like you said, down to Simmons or Brown for them. Simmons definitely a high upside guy, um, but there is always going to be questions about can you scheme for him to have him be successful. If you're just going to have him be a standard linebacker or safety, then you know it's not you're not getting his full potential. So I think Derek Brown reminds me a lot of the Christian Wilkins pick from last year. Mm-hmm. It's a team like Miami took Christian Wilkins last year. It's really a safer pick for a team that's at the start of a rebuild just to sort of get a guy that they can anchor a unit around. And in case they both play defensive linemen, they'll be solid guys for probably the next 10 years for him. Um, I, who can just, you know, our NFL priority guys, high character guys as well. He kind of reminds, Simmons reminds me a little bit of, and I apologize, Pat, he reminds me a little bit of Jabril, Jabril Peppers, you know, coming out of Jabril. Michigan as he was kind of that just do everything type guy this was Taysom Hill on the defensive side it's kind of hmm. like, you know what's this guy's plan you know what is he going to do so I think that you know Simmons is such, he's a beast but I think it definitely is where you said whack man is it's tough to scheme for him tough to put him in a spot when you are in college you can do that I mean take a look at it it's, you can just you know it's he just ran wild at Clemson but once you get to the NFL I mean it's a whole different brand of ball 
Yeah, so that's fair. So we can just move into that then with Arizona at eight, taking Simmons. I'm actually very surprised they took Simmons. I thought they were nailed on to take a tackle, and they gambled, and they went with Simmons. Now, they were lucky enough that Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, fell to them all the way in the third round, which I did not think was going to happen. Jones had like a high second round grade on him by most uh, draft evaluators, so that was pretty shocking. So when the pick was first made, I really disagreed with it because I thought they had to go tackle. The fact they got Jones now makes it look like they they definitely came away with that looking better. I mean, Kingsbury, we talk about all about, you know, the offense and trying to get Kyler weapons and protect Kyler. But, you know, the defense isn't that great there anyway. So he had a he had a long way to go with trying to build up that team and Simmons is going to be a huge piece in being able to do that. I think also too on the offensive side of football, you've got Kyler. I think what you said this offensive lineman would have been we thought was the move. But on that offensive side in that football, you've got so many weapons where it's like, you know, they're going to put up, you know, they might put up a lot of points with Christian Kirk, with Hop, with Fitzgerald. So it's kind of like they could, you know, I think it's, I think, we, I think it kind of came to the point where I don't want to say Simmons fell into their laps because he kind of did a little bit, but I think it was just kind of almost too good to pass up for the Cardinals when you get that type of athlete. Even though I just talked the last like, two minutes ago about how I didn't think he would scheme in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was a good pick. When you get a when you have a head coach that's that oriented to one side of the ball, you usually tend to see them go with their side of the ball and favor that side. Um, like with Matt Nagy, he just keeps drafting offensive players, which is, <laughs> you can only have so many on the field. Um, but but it's good to see that they went with a really quality um, defensive player that that everybody sees as being a. Um, a, a pretty a pretty good NFL player, um, and you definitely need that to like, kind of help Kyler instead of putting it all in his hands and just giving him the weapons, giving the other side of the ball so he doesn't have to put up those 40 points every game. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Arizona as a fit for him because uh, Simmons at Clemson, he had Brett Venables as his defensive coordinator, who I think is like the highest paid assistant in college football by a lot. So you just have already that guy who's ready to scheme for him. And Arizona, they have uh, Buda Baker currently, who's sort of like a who plays safety for them, who's sort of is that Swiss, Swiss Army knife type of player to a certain extent where he'll come up, play the slot, come up, play in the box, can even maybe drop to free safety at times. So I think they already sort of have to scheme around uh, guys who can do a lot of different things like that. So the fact that they already have a guy like Buda Baker and have been able to use him pretty successfully <clears> definitely shows that they can you know get the most out of him instead of just playing him in a really traditional role. Definitely. And then Jacksonville took C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida there. I mean, again, Jacksonville trying to rework their defense a little bit. Stays with a Florida kid. Henderson was a very solid athlete. Should I think will transition pretty well to the NFL. Uh, a pick I do want to spotlight there is 10, Cleveland getting Jedrick Wills falling to them. Just a point on Cleveland. There are no excuses going into the season. Absolutely none. When you look at that roster, they went out this offseason, they solidified both tackles, Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin coming in in free agency. They've got Austin Hooper that they picked up at tight end. You've got Beckham, you've got Landry, you've got Mayfield, the number one pick. You've got Nick Chubb, you've got Kareem Hunt, you've got Miles Garrett on that defense. There are no excuses this time. If they fail, uh, what do you even do if they fail again this year? Because I don't think they're re- going to be ready to move on from Mayfield. And now they're on another coach, another new coach in Kevin Stefanski. I, I love Jedrick Wills going there, but it feels like the room for error is completely gone in Cleveland now. 100%. Especially, too, is you look at this, this is a totally different staff that drafted Baker Mayfield. And this is his third, going to his third year. Obviously, I don't think it's 
I don't think I think three years with a quarterback with that potential with that ceiling after three years is is too soon to move after. But it's kind of what you said. The time's ticking. Where it's like yeah. you've got all these weapons. This is a lot of the front office, a lot of the coaching staff who wasn't there that made all these decisions. So it's kind of like it's you know it's the hour to kind of like okay let's go you know let's pick it up and it's if we don't win it's I think they're in fully like win now mode. Well, yeah, with with Baker, you really have this is going to be a, his third year, so you got the third and fourth year for him to show you something. Um, because then before that fifth year, you have to pick up the pick up the option. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's going to be really key. But I think you, with the rumors that came out about potentially trading Odell, if they don't succeed this year, I think those rumors become legit. Um, I think that's one of the first to go, even though. I don't think he's been as much of a problem for the Browns as he was with the Giants. I think that's something you can start with because you could still get something from him. Um, for him, that would be able to do, do a quick rebuild without having to restart and get rid of Baker. Yeah, really, there are no excuses for them not to be good this year, and especially for Baker Mayfield. If he plays like he did last year, yeah, he's definitely shown he can be good and he can be talented, but you re- it's a new front office, it's a new coach. I wonder if they may, like potentially look to replace him if he uh, struggles again. One of the interesting things, too, about this Jedrick Willis pick was that they did bring in Jack Conklin, who mm-hmm. has played his whole career for Tennessee on the right side. But Willis has played his whole entire career since high school on the right side as well. So now Willis will probably be the guy to move to the switch, and apparently he was um, doing more like left tackle drills to get ready for a potential switch in the NFL. But that's going to be interesting to see how he ultimately transitions moving to the left side after playing so many years on the right side. And the technique is slightly different from moving side to side as well. It's not an instantaneous thing that just happens. They do also have to like do a lot of prep work to make sure it works well. And like we said, limited offseason means limited time to really work with these guys and you know maybe like iron out some of those issues. Yeah, certainly. And so that that's going through the top ten. Now we'll just move a little bit of quicker here as we spotlight some other first round picks. Cause I definitely want no one to be able to join us for as much as we can but going we'll start with 11 there Mackay Becton falling to the New York Jets I I agree with the Jets going tackle that's where I said I thought they needed to go I'm pretty shocked with Tristan Wirfs on the board they didn't take him because as, as Nolan mentioned earlier with Becton I mean Becton the first thing that Becton reminds me of when you look at him that's Michael Orr from the blind side I mean that's how big this dude is and and athletic and it just the tools are there but he had his drug test flagged. He's definitely more raw than Worf's. Worf's just a freakish athlete that was fantastic at Iowa for multiple years. I, I, I get the upside pick where if Becton clicks. They've got themselves. I mean, the comparison that keeps getting thrown out there is a Jonathan Jonathan Odgen like player because of you know his size. But man, Worf seems like more of the uh, more of the sure thing. So I thought that was an interesting pick. I agree with them going tackle. I just I would have gone with a different tackle at that point. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. I uh, like Dwarfs a little more because, like you said, he's a little bit more ready to play right away. And also, he's a great athlete as well. I think one of his, his 40 time, I know, is very impressive. I think he had a pretty good three-cone time as well. So, like, his testing was also at a very high level. Um, but Becton is, yeah, just a freak explosive athlete. There's videos of him doing, like, I think, like, 180 dunks, which at his size shouldn't be humanly possible. So... Yeah, I think that it's, like when brought it up there, he definitely needs to fix his footwork. And it's, uh, you know, especially too in this time where we don't know when we're going to have any type of OTAs or preseason, it kind of is interesting not be able to have these offense line coaches and offense coordinators be able to get 
you know, their hands on their, you know, new rookies to kind of help them, you know, get them to that next level. Yeah, definitely. And at, at 12, just a, a fun pick because it's the ghost of Al Davis back. I mean, it, it's that simple. Henry Ruggs going to the Las Vegas Raiders with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy on the board now. Ruggs, uh, I, I mean, it's the typical Raiders receiver. He's crazy fast. He's an awesome athlete. I can't say he would have been my first receiver off the board. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Well, Hernandez, can you rate the four wide receivers that went? What's your What's your pre NFL ranking? Is rank all of them? So I would probably have Judy just above Lamb. I like, agree. Literally one A one B with them. I would have Rugs three and then Jefferson four. I think there was definitely a bigger gap though between the first three, and yeah. then I think Jefferson was more closer to that second tier of guys. Um, ultimately, though, I really don't think you can be too upset about Ruggs over any of those guys. All three of those guys are so close. Ruggs isn't like a Darius Hayward Bay. No, no. All he can do is run fast. He does run a lot more of a complete route tree. He can run underneath routes. And also the other thing about him, he's great at the contested... Uh, he's great going up and winning contested jump balls as well. If Again, like not to go back to more dunking videos, but if you watch like some of his like high school basketball clips, he's like taking off from the free throw line. He can go up and get the ball for you as well. And he's like he's a, he can run a pretty complete route tree as well. He's not just a speed guy. There's a lot of great things that he can do. And he's ultimately a guy too, unlike Judy and unlike Lamb, to a certain extent, he's going to make your whole defense have to adjust to him. He's going to have to make you uh, head your safety to his side of the field because he's so fast. Then he can, you know, you have to worry about your corners being able to stick with him. So he'll change the whole way the whole defense lines up, which is another added bonus for him. Yeah, Conrad, what did you want to say with the receivers? Um, just that, yeah, with it's a shock that Ruggs went, but it's not like it was a completely wild pick. No. Um, like it's not like he's a guy that drops like twenty percent of the balls or something. And also, I believe it was Ruggs with the stat that 25% of his catches were touchdowns. Yes, I believe um, you're so correct. That's just, that's just an un- unbelievable stat. Yeah. I just love it. No, it, it is. It's insane. No, I, I think Nolan's 100% right that this is not Darius Hayward Bag. Man, I'll never forget that pick from uh, from about a decade ago when they reached on him like crazy. Um, it's just it, it's entertaining to see the Raiders just jump at the fastest guy on the board. Uh, 13 very quickly. I mean, man, everything Tampa Bay does with Tom Brady there seems to turn to gold. Being able to get Tristan Wirfs at 13. Uh, Rob Rob Gronkowski last week. Um, I, I, Tampa's Tampa's got some potential there. It'll be interesting for sure. Definitely. We just we talked about his Wirfs falling that far. And uh, I know we talked with Wackman about this, but Tampa Bay offensive line wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's not great, so getting Wirfs was huge. Yeah, their offensive line is definitely interesting. Um, they had issues at both tackles before the worst pick, so that definitely fixed them on the right side. Um, Donovan Smith's an interesting guy on the left side, though. He's, I think, really could almost make or break their season. He's definitely a struggle at times, but they did go out. They gave him a big contract uh, this offseason, so they definitely trust him as an organization. So if he steps up and he plays really well, that's a pretty solid offensive line that you have, especially with Jensen and Marpet on the inside. And if, at the end of the day, you have to keep Tom Brady clean. He's not mobile, and we've, and we've seen when you struggle, it's when you get pressure in his face right away. So if their offensive line holds up, they're, with all those weapons they have, they're a scary team. They're definitely one of the main contenders in the NFC this year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Nope, would uh, agree there. Uh, Denver goes Jerry Judy at 15 for me, getting the best receiver in the class. Um, I, we're going to really see what, what Drew Locke can do. 
this year, which I can't say I'm overly confident in Drew Locke, but they certainly have surrounded him with weapons to be able to uh, to go out there and get things done. I absolutely love Jerry Judy. I, I, as I said, I, I really do think he was the best receiver in this draft. I think you've got a possession receiver. I think you've got big playability. They drafted KJ Hamler in the second round out of Penn State. More of a speed guy. I didn't love that pick from Denver there. Um, just I thought it was a little bit of a reach. But on Judy, I, th- I think it's a fantastic pick, and they should definitely help build that offense. Yeah, I think both those picks were good because they're basically putting everything they are into Drew Locke. And, you know, obviously it might have been a little bit of reach in the second round, but to get a speedster for, you know, Drew Locke's fireball, fastballs, you know, it's kind of like, especially, you know, John Elway loves the quarterback, so, you know, he's going to do everything he can to help, you know, surround them with, um, you know, with the weapons. So I think that they made a huge splash, especially with court, um, you know, with the guys they have on the rosters already. It'll be it'll be a fun offense it'll be you know talk about another make or break offense like this is they've got a lot of weapons and kind of an inexperienced unproven quarterback yeah we'll find out very quickly if Drew Locke actually yes. is their guy um at because it, it, it's really no excuses for him with all that talent he has the cool thing about the receiver room is too that they have three guys that each do different things you have Hamler who's a speed guy you have Judy, who can separate underneath, and then you have Cortland Sutton, who's your more traditional big-bodied receiver. And then they also, the other pick that I thought was interesting was they went out and they got Albert O, tight end from mm-hmm. Missouri in the fifth round, I believe, who's, who uh, he had like a four, incredibly fast 40 time for a tight end. And um, when I was listening to the draft, I think one of the people said the last time he looked good was when Drew was throwing him the ball. So it'll be really interesting to see if he can... Uh, he was a guy who was getting a lot of hype like two years ago as maybe being a first-round tight end. So if he can live up to that hype... He could be really interesting as well now that he's reunited with uh, his quarterback as well. Yeah, and, and to pair him with, with Noah Fant as well, and then you've got Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Like, the Broncos' offense is legit. It's uh, So it, it all comes down on Drew Locke, as we're talking about that this is a, a make-or-break year for, for Baker Mayfield as well with the Browns at 10. Drew Locke is going to have all eyes on him. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, Dallas gets CeeDee Lamb to fall to them at 17. I really thought that Dallas was going to be able to go defense there to try to shore up the unit that really let them down a little bit last year, especially with how good that offense was. But Lamb just kind of proved too good a value for, for Jerry Jones to pass up there drafting on his yacht. I think it's a good pick. I think um, with Dak just adding that, that extra receiver there, they were, I believe, the highest scoring team last year. Um, but this just, this just makes that better, like, I don't think anybody would have thought that um, Lamb was going to fall to 17 at the beginning of this draft. Um, and just, I mean, Jerry does love his offense, so he was going to go there. And then I just, quick side note, that I just love that he snatched his phone from his girlfriend immediately. Yes, that, that. W- that was very funny. <laughs> that was funny. I think, you know, getting him to fit two back-to-back picks that kind of had players fall to them with um, – CeeDee Lamb and uh, Trayvon Diggs. Is they're able to get two good guys, I think two solid, you know, good talents that are going to help them immediately. I think that, you know, you, you pair CeeDee Lamb with, um, you pair him with um, with uh, Cooper. I mean, that's going to be... And Michael Gallup. You know, and, about, pardon me? and Michael Gallup. And Michael Gallup, yeah. And you just talk about, too, you know, Dak continuing to want this big contract. Again, it's just, you know, a theme of unproven quarterbacks with getting weapons. So what's going to happen? Yeah, when you uh, when you hear those tweets start going out Thursday morning that Jerry Jones is going to be on his own yacht and he's not going to be taking calls for any of the scouts, I'm sure Cowboys fans are probably pretty worried. But <laughs> it actually being a really good draft for them overall. 
and I, I was almost joking, like, the way they were taking it, almost looked like he just had his uh, consensus big board from all the media people just taking the top guy off the, uh, the list each time because, yeah, they just, every guy that fell to him, they were just picking up, which, I mean, it, it was a really impressive draft overall, so. Yeah, can't, can't, can't fault it there. I do think Dallas had a very impressive draft, especially with Diggs falling to them. Um, and then the I'm completely blanking on his name, but the center that they were able to pick up later on was actually a center that I would have liked. Uh, it's from Wisconsin. Biaz, I think it was Tyler Biaz. Uh, Bidas. Bidas, yeah, that's what it was. Tyler. Uh, he's like, he was really interesting. He Injury was, problems, uh, yeah. Pretty, yeah, highly rated guy going into this college football season. And he definitely struggled a little bit this year, um, especially against the pass protection. But with Frederick's like sort of surprise retirement and it being a pretty weak interior offensive line class, that was a great pickup yep, for them, especially agree. with all the other holes they had. Yeah, I th- they, I th- they also got uh, Gallimore, too, from Oklahoma. It was a kid I liked in the third as well. I, I think Jerry actually knocked it out of the park with this draft. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it, where it goes. Sticking in the NFC East, then we'll move down to 21. Jalen Rieger out of TCU going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Definitely surprised me. I thought that they were penciled in for Justin Jefferson. Now, he's going to add a bunch of speed and athleticism to the Eagles, which is what they need because they just had no talent on the outside to help out Carson Wentz. It was pretty much all Zach Ertz last year. Uh, Elshon Jeffries aging. Deshaun uh, Jackson has had some some injury problems. He's also aging. I still think that Jefferson was the better receiver and would have been the better pick here, but Rieger will fill a need for them. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the more interesting picks in the draft to me, just because, yeah, Jefferson, I think, was the higher-rated player on a lot of people's boards, but he's the guy who's going to do a lot more of his damage over the middle as a receiver. He likes to work a lot of underneath routes. So you have those two tight ends and Goddard and Ertz, who last year were their only two reliable receiving targets, also eating up that middle of the field. Reger's a guy who can come in from the outside, and he's more of a deep threat for them, and also kind of like Ruggs in a way, like a little bit of a less-refined version of Ruggs. And maybe maybe his and maybe he could be like the same player that Ruggs is. He had a horrible quarterback situation at TCU, so you never know. I mean, I don't hate the pick because it's definitely a much better scheme fit for the Eagles going Rager over Jefferson. But then the talent is probably Jefferson's over Rager though. So yeah, I had Jefferson above. Same. I was I was shocked. I'd never heard of this guy, and of course he's a couple. He's fast, he's athletic, and I don't think he's going to be a bad player for the Eagles. That's not what I mean here when I say I don't agree with the pick. I just think that Justin Jefferson was a slam dunk out there for them. So it's just yeah. a, a little questionable there. And then he goes yeah. on the next pick to Minnesota, which Kirk Cousins is going to love that. Makes so much sense there. Yeah, it just it, yeah. Ma- yeah. It, it made a ton of sense. Uh, quickly, 23, I love Kenneth Murray to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, from Oklahoma going to the Chargers. Pair him with Derwin uh, James. Oh, you're not a fan of, of him? I, I liked Patrick Queen a lot. Better. I like Queen a lot as well. Main thing that I had with Murray and um, the uh, Jordy Brooks as well, who also went in the first round. That was a stranger was one for me. They're more downhill guys. Like they're you're gonna get them and they're gonna play really well against the run. They're gonna they can blitz, they can come downhill. But when you're asking them to drop into space, they're less with sideline to sideline backers, and that's what I think Queen is, and that's what I think the NFL is more going towards with those types of players. That's why I probably would have gone Queen for them, but it's definitely not a bad pick, especially with like more of what they needed, so No, and and I think that's fair. But alright, so this will get it to one of the probably the biggest controversy 
from the NFL draft, especially from night one. The Green Bay Packers traded up to number 26 with the Houston Texans to take quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah State. Now, if you just listened to our preview from last week, the three of us spoke very lowly of Jordan Love, and then you see Green Bay trading up to be able to snag him. Um, I'll, I'll go first with it then. I hate the pick. It's not that I don't like the pick. It's that I hate the pick. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, I understand Green Bay is doing is they think they're smarter than everyone else. They're trying to show you, oh, we did it with Favre. We did the transition to Rodgers. Now we're doing it again with Love. Green Bay needed to upgrade the talent, especially on the receiving core. This was the deepest receiver draft possibly of all time. You had so many guys that were out there. At so many skill positions, it drives me nuts that they wasted a first-round draft pick and traded up to get a guy that threw, what, 17 interceptions in the Mountain West last season? I I, I think it's a complete disaster of a... It's not a bad pick. It's a train wreck of a pick, and I could not disagree with this anymore. Conrad. Conrad, please. <laughs> All right. So I have a lot of thoughts on this pick. I mean, you sounded a little nervous on draft night coming from a Bears fan's perspective. Oh, yeah, that's that's the... Oh, that's definitely, like, the most strong feeling I have. And just to explain what that is, is um, I almost guarantee he's about to be a Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> and he's going to ruin the Bears for years. Um, that's that's my biggest fear of this pick. Um it's what I think is going to. It's not what I think is going to happen. It's what I don't think it's going to happen. But my gut tells me this guy's going to wreck the Bears for years. Um, so there's the irrational, just Bears fan in me. Um, but then also as a Bear fan, love the pick, absolutely love it. Um, so there's the other side of the coin. <laughs> yeah, this is going to piss off Aaron Rodgers. If you think about it long term, um, before they pick up that fifth year option on the guy. On, on love, you're going to want to see him play. So that means he's probably starting in the next two to three years, which means in two or three years, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Um, unless he gets hurt or something. Um, this could also be like a grapple with the Patriots where like something happens. You see him and then you could trade him. That's always a thing. But if you think about it, the writing's on the wall that in the next two to three years, Aaron Rodgers could be out of Green Bay, um, which is very interesting to think about. Um, with the whole the, pa- the Packers thinking they're better than everybody else, um, this is a different um, general manager um, and kind of not ownership, but like front office. Um, Brett Favre, and, who was traded for by the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers were both from the same um, kind of um, management um, group that selected them. So this is actually a different one. So maybe they don't know their quarterbacks as well. So it's not really the same thing. It's the same organization, not the same people um, creating these guys. Um, and also just the fact that they don't surround Aaron Rodgers with more weapons. Like, they have no weapons. They didn't even get weapons later on in the draft. Like they, I think they picked up a running back, which is the one position they had. They did, but exactly, yeah. it didn't make any sense because they I have Aaron Jones. Have a wide receiver on that team. I, I do want Rodgers as much as I, I, I hate the man. It is very good quarterback. You give him a half a wide receiver, he makes him into like three. Um, and they, they're literally giving him nothing right now. Um, which it's. As a sports fan, it's it's sad to see that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to get his fair fair run in Green Bay. I think because of this, no matter how gimmicky their offense is going to be with Lafleur, it's just a, it's a terrible pick. And trading up for it makes it even worse. Like you said, like if he fell to you at what were they like twenty eight or something, um, 
like it makes more sense. But trading up for a guy that's not going to play for three years when your offense needed the help, like it just makes absolutely no sense. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm just hoping this guy doesn't go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and just before Sherwood and Nolan, and Nolan get in, I, I meant to mention this stat because it, it's so mind-blowing. In Aaron Rodgers' career, he has thrown a grand total of one passing touchdown to a former first-round pick. One. Wow. Incredible, but Sherwood, Nolan, what, what do you think? The Packers also haven't spent a first-round pick on a skilled player in like 20 years. It's the only one is Jordy Nelson or something like that. Um, uh, just, yeah, sorry, uh, the one thing that I saw today was just Favre literally came out and said, "I think I think Rogers will not finish his career." Yeah, he did say that today. I think off Conrad said, "I think also too, what's interesting is you brought up Conrad. The contract is, you know, obviously to pick up the fifth option, you have to see something. Is Rogers has four years left? Jordan Love, you know, basically has four years on his rookie contract, so they're both going to expire at the same time. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see what happens there." Yeah, um, there's two like main differences I think between the Aaron Rodgers pick back in 05, I believe, or 06, and this pick. And the first one is that the way quarterback rookies are structured is not completely different. The biggest advantage you can have in football is having a really good quarterback on a rookie contract. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year with Patrick Mahomes on a rookie quarterback. The Ravens were one of the best teams with Lamar Jackson on a rookie quarterback. It gives you basically an extra thirty million dollars of cap space. Um, with having that, and in essence, even if Jordan Love comes in and is great, you've now wasted two, probably three years of that rookie contract advantage before then you actually have to pay him. You're getting only really one year um, of that really nice advantage, and you're still also, even if you trade him after year three, you still have some of Rogers' cap left on the on your salary, but on uh, going against cap as well. And then um, the other big difference is too was Rogers um, obviously. Not was uh, supposed to go pretty high in the draft, and he sort of fell. He fell. Yeah. Whereas Jordan Love, he was maybe he was a fifty-fifty guy, and even if he went round one, he definitely isn't like that same like really polished. It would be more like if Tua maybe fell to them, then I see it more because you're definitely a guy who you think could come in and be an elite quarterback. Jordan Love, there's a there's good chances. I didn't personally like him a lot either. He makes a lot of poor decisions. Now it's great he gets to sit and develop for a couple years. But at the end of the day, though, there's no such sure thing that this kid's also going to make it and be the next great NFL quarterback. So if you run Aaron Rodgers out of town for a guy who's not even good, that makes his decision look even worse in hindsight. So I should just remember uh, one thing on this. I know we bashed Jordan North a lot last week, and not to save the guy, like 17 interceptions is still really bad um, for a college quarterback. Um but I believe his former offensive coordinator, a head coach at Utah, um, came out and he he wasn't there last year. Yeah, he, he left. Said that the yeah that the um, the new coaching regime that came in just put him in situations that wasn't good for him. Um, obviously, trading up when you trade up for a quarterback, um, he should be able to do it in any system. Um, but I mean, that's one thing that you could see what Green Bay might have if you, if they talked to this coach. Um, you could see it in them, but also, like, I can't wait for Green Bay to fall off a cliff. <laughs> you know, with with uh, Bears uh, having Rodgers as their quarterback. Just, just wait for it. Yeah, they have two years before they can move Rodgers, by the way. Like, he, I think if they were to trade him or cut him right now, it's something like a $50 million dead cap hit. It's off the charts because he just signed that extension. So they have, I know, at least two years before it's even possible for them to really consider moving him. 
And, uh, yeah, Jordan Love. Rodgers doesn't keep grudges. Definitely doesn't. Yes, yes, the Rodgers family overall does not yeah. keep grudges, and we know that, never. Yeah, and then in the defense of Jordan Love, he is a lot like Josh Allen coming out, where there was a coaching staff change, and there was, like, a lot of loss in talent around him as well, so that's why his numbers... Uh, this year compared to years prior were definitely worse, but still, it's a big gamble by them that I'm not. I don't really think will pay off. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, or he becomes a hall of famer. Yeah, I just, I just don't, yeah. I don't see not going, going wide receiver to help out your quarterback there. But you know, it is there. So let's shift gears a little bit then, and and give me a, a draft class that say you really liked and a draft class that you didn't. I'll, I'll start to give you guys a second. Um, just this isn't the, the class that I love, but just talking about the Giants, I did really like the Giants draft class, especially with Andrew Thomas there at four. Xavier McKinney at 36, I think, was a fantastic pick. The safety from Alabama is going to come in and start day one, and him next to Jabril Peppers gives you two Swiss Army knives on that defense that can really sit back in coverage and as well as come in, guard the box. Uh, Mac, Matt Parrott, the tackle out of UConn. Not going to play a role this year as it's going to be Solder and Thomas, but definitely you've got a chance that he's the right tackle in 2021 after Solder moves on and Thomas shifts to left tackle. Longest arms in the draft, a developmental tackle for sure, but someone that's got plenty of potential. Darnay Holmes at 110 is probably going to be the starting slot corner for the Giants. Holmes led UCLA in interceptions every single year, or excuse me, his sophomore year on. He brings a ton of speed. He returns kicks. I love it. Uh, Shane Lemieux a guard and then talk about the epitome of just throwing a dart at a wall and hoping something sticks the Giants took four linebackers with their last five picks because linebacker has been the least talented part of this team for a very long time so I did want to put that out there and put some praise out for Dave Gettleman who takes a ton of flack and has deserved it for some of the moves especially that Leonard Williams trade that came to fruition there with the Jets taking a third round pick but I did love his draft and then the team that I'm going to spotlight that I just love what they did was a team that didn't even have a first-round pick, and that was the Indianapolis Colts. I think that Chris Ballard there has done such a nice job at rebuilding that team and continuing to build on it. I love Michael Pittman at 34, the wide receiver from USC. I think Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Jacob Eason is going to be someone that they're going to try and develop a little bit over the years, especially with Phillip Rivers taking over there. I think it makes a lot of sense to take a quarterback in the fourth round, and Julian Blackman's not a bad safety as well. So I, I, I love what Indianapolis did. Um, there, especially without a first-round pick. And then if you think about what happened with that first-round pick, it was traded for DeForest Buckner, who's going to make an instant impact on that defensive line. So I think Indy did a fantastic job with their draft capital. Mike, when did you want to go? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. And just Isaiah Simmons was is a guy who I think can be an absolute stud on the next level if you're able to use him right. And I think that they can. And then sort of like what Pat said, using your draft capital, they got DeAndre Hopkins for <laughs> their second-round pick, which is not only that, they also dumped the David Johnson salary, which is just still wild to me how they're able to pull that one off. And then in the third round, when you're able to go out there and get Josh Jones – and, I mean, their tackle situation with DJ Humphreys and Marcus Gilbert, they're two guys that, yeah, they're not the best, but you can at least they're NFL caliber tackles. The two issues with them, though, is they're both injury prone, so now you have depth behind them for this year, and you actually have a guy that after this year can come in and either take over that left or right tackle spot, depending where they want to go with those guys moving forward. So I love those picks. 
I'm looking at two teams. I think one was Cincinnati. Had to make had to think about it for half a second, but you know, obviously it's a home run with Joe Burrow. No second thoughts. Getting T. Higgins to be in the second round was you know first round talent as well. Was projected. I know was going you know top twenty after the college football playoff. I think that they had the first pick of every single round, and I think they did very well. Another team that I take a look at is as much as it kind of pains me to say it is actually. Tom is the fighting Tom Brady's down in Tampa Bay. Is I think they obviously we talked about getting the offensive lineman was good, and then also um, getting um, second. What was it second or third round where uh, Winfield Jr. went? Is I think that he's a phenomenal. I think it was the second round they got him, middle of the second. Winfield round, Jr. Yeah, forty five. The they got him. Yeah. Second round. Yeah, he was. Actually, fun fact: I sat next to him in second grade, and he was very very short. Like, and then he. Like, even now, he's still kind of a little bit smaller, you know, being the safety. But I like that pick a lot. I think without the – I think Wackman, you said, is without the injury concerns, he probably could have been a first-round pick because he has what the – is it the shoulder injury? The right shoulder, I believe, is what he injured. But he's very much like his dad where he's a ball hawk. Ball hawk and I think they, you know, I don't want to say quietly are playing together a team, but they are, you know, because they have made a ton of big moves. But I think that they're the – the draft class really helped with that, unfortunately. Okay. Um, then I'll go with a team that I also kind of wish had a worse draft, but it, it helps when you have 8,000 picks. Um, so I'm going to go with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, just with Jefferson getting to them with that first slot to kind of replace Diggs, um, and then the second round being able to get Gladly um, out, of, out of TCU, and just they were able to. I'm not entirely sure how quality all these picks are, but just being able to have this many guys come in and really sure up that a lot of the defense with safety and, and tackle needs, and then also being able to get um, and also corner needs, but also having to kind of shore up that offensive line to protect Cousins um, and keep them, especially in that division where the defenses are getting a lot better, um, like be able to keep them upright. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree there. And then if there's a if there's a draft class that we don't like, I'd love to hear that too. I <laughs> I'm gonna start by tempting fate, and I'm going to come out and say I did not like what New England did. I don't care that Belichick's there and that everyone's gonna view him as the savior and and the genius that knows exactly what he's doing. I think he he reached on Kyle Duggar there out of um, Linear Ryan. Josh Oche out of out of Michigan was a backup and a kind of a situational player that they picked in the second round. He picked two tight ends that. In the, in the third round that aren't all that talented and are pretty one-dimensional in, in blocking and catching. And then a, a kicker in the fifth round that's already created some controversy with his tattoos. Um, I, I think it's pretty surprising. Um, the, I, not the fact that they didn't take a quarterback because it's Bill Belichick. So. And I think that the, there are better options out there if he wants to trade for Dalton or pick up a Cam Newton. But I really feel like he, he reached on pretty much every pick he made. And I, I think that's kind of surprising. I think the same thing. I think that everyone's going to talk about um, is it Duggar, the guy from Illinois Rhymes? Yes. Um, everyone's going to kind of say like, oh, is you know, look at this. Is the Osbo Belichick going to do it again? And I think that he does, you know, have a good have a track record with that. But I think that that's I think that was a reach. I think they did reach a couple of picks. I think they also kind of tried to a couple of years ago. Is a is it seems like every year they always have some smoke screen about or smoke and gun uh, smoke screen. Pardon me, where. Um, you know, are you going to draft a new quarterback or whatnot? And I think they kind of continue to do that this year. As you looked, I think in rounds three, four, three and four, four and five, is they actually traded up. And I think everyone kind of thought, oh, they're going to trade up to get Eason or to mm-hmm. get from, and they didn't. I think they continue to kind of 
they're trying, I think right now it's trying to show, hey, we're smarter than everyone else, and I think this year is going to be the downfall where it's like, hey, it's, you know, the quarterback is the most important position on the football team. Yeah, they were interesting. They definitely are doubling down on just hoping their defense is going to shut down people. And they really grabbed two interesting players in Uche and Duggar. Both of them are sort of guys that will float between positions. Um, Duggar as sort of a safety, weak side linebacker guy. And obviously, if they're losing Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, they mm-hmm. need help at linebacker position. And same thing with Uche. He literally is a one-for-one one for Van Noy as sort of a guy who can play a linebacker. Although he'll also blitz off the edge. He'll also blitz up the middle as well, and he can drop into coverage. He's really a versatile piece. And, I mean, he's a guy who I think if he got more reps at Michigan, we could have been talking about as a first-round guy. He just was sort of hidden on that depth chart. So he's sort of the big mystery. There are classes really like a lot of question marks. Exactly. I like their first two picks, but, yeah, after that, I really was not a huge fan of the tight ends they took. A kicker in the fifth is always just way too early for me. So, But it'll be, it'll be interesting how that team is next year. Agreed. Does anyone else have a have a draft class that wanted to spotlight? Oh, I have one that I hate. Please go for it. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Green Bay. They <laughs> suck. They didn't yeah. address the wide receiver position. They doubled up on a running back who was out of Boston College um, in, in the second round, which is just, I think, a very average pick and definitely not something they should have addressed. Oh, you mean early. while you had Aaron um, Jones? <laughs> yeah. And then... The only other pass catcher they drafted was a tight end, uh, Josiah DeGura, out of Cincinnati, who in his draft analysis says he's a light tight end with short arms and small hands, and he's kind of fast. Yeah, they almost want to move him to more of a fullback role, too, like sort of uh, Kyle Juszczyk was what they envisioned for him. So he's not even he's not even really going to be tight end as much for them. Yeah, so they really did nothing. They went on defense, which they needed kind of help with. But um, from from who they got, they didn't even get anybody really noteworthy on the defensive end. So they really got they got nothing. And, but, I mean, they're probably all going to be studs now Now I say it. But as much as I can, yeah. I'm going to do it for now. Um, I mean, the one pick that I didn't, I, I, I didn't hate their class overall, and obviously I loved uh, the third, what they did with the third overall pick, but I did not like Detroit taking DeAndre Swift in the second. I didn't either. Especially when you have on Johnson. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has major injury concerns, um, but still, running, there's a reason why there was only one running back in the first round of the 32. It's a devalued position. There's still enough veterans out there. You can sign one of them for next to nothing instead of using a team that has some pretty big holes still they still need people and you're going to basically take a luxury pick with a second running back with your first with uh, the third overall pick in the second round that's just early to me and i just that that was a pick i just did not like at all no and, and you're right and it's actually something i wrote down and i've just completely forgotten to to brought up i i completely agree with that and it's that's not against swift i think swift's gonna be a good running back i just don't understand the yeah. fit i mean that detroit defense was atrocious last year and yes i understand he went with the cuda um, to, to try to shore up cornerback, but you're telling me you couldn't find some other sort of playmaker at the top of the second round? I mean, Winfield was still sitting there. Uh, it just, I, I don't get the fit there from, from Patricia, and I have a feeling this is Matt Patricia's last year in Detroit because I don't think things are going to go very well for them this year. Yeah, they, they had a lot of needs on defense, and like you said, I do like DeAndre Swift, but they had so many needs on defense, mm-hmm. and you pass all of them for a running back. Um, 
No, that that's good. So then we can hit on we'll hit on Jalen Hurts here, and then if you guys just want to talk about your your team's classes, that is completely fine, and we can wrap up since we are over an hour. So I do want to get get done with this um, quick, so it's not too long. Um, but Jalen Hurts in the second round to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, when it first came out, I absolutely hated it and 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 didn't understand it. Now I'll say I've moved a little bit less of a hatred for it. I still don't agree with it. And I still think Philly, much like Green Bay, should have been trying to improve that roster and especially trying to pounce in the NFC. I mean, they do have a really talented roster around them. I would have tried to put more weapons on offense or again, going with some type of playmaker on defense, especially at linebacker or at safety for the Eagles. I I can't agree with taking a quarterback in the second round when you just signed Carson Wentz to the mega contract. Now, I totally understand what the argument is. It's that Wentz gets hurt and that this is their insurance policy. But man, a second round pick as your insurance policy for a team that I feel like should be trying to maximize that draft capital to make the team around Wentz better. I just can't agree with it. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to back you with that. Basically, exactly like what we were saying about Green Bay is just if Jalen Hurts is going to be anybody and you're going to give him that extension, you're going to just need to see him play and you just signed Carson Wentz. Um, so that doesn't make sense. And even though this year was they were riddled with all the defense, with all the injury concerns, and that's why they really, their wide receiver group was so limited. There's no, there's nobody saying that that's not going to happen again. So you gotta, you gotta put something behind there, especially with a second round pick when there's so many receivers still on the board, in what is um, allegedly a really strong draft class for wide receivers. You would think they would go there, and then, like, I don't know, Jalen Hurts. I just, I also just don't know if he's the same style and going to be a good backup for Carson Wentz. I'm like, not the biggest believer in Hurts at the pro level, and for. In an insurance policy, you can go trade for a guy. You can go sign a guy like Cam Newton's still out there. Like you can sign him as an insurance policy or something. Um, like there's much better ways and more efficient ways to get insurance at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think just hopping off what you guys said, they could have gotten you know East in the third, Prime in the fourth, or you know whatnot. They could have done it in future and later rounds, or you know, kind of what you just said is. You know, Dalton's probably going to be available in the next year. You know, he'll probably be in the free agency market as they can trade for someone or, you know, pick up Cam. I think that I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. I think that he is. He's a winner. He's a proven winner. I mean, look at what he did at mm-hmm. Bama. Look at what he did at um, Oklahoma. But I think just piggybacking up what you guys said, second round I think is too early. Yeah, it's really weird that with the second round pick, which usually when you're drafting these guys, those are guys that are going to come in and start right away. Yep. That you're taking a guy who, if everything goes well for your team, will never start a meaningful game for yeah. you. Completely agree. <laughs> so it's it's really weird. Um, I get the dra- uh, that Carson Wentz is hurt a lot, and drafting a backup quarterback is definitely important. But this reminds me a lot of Green Bay, where they're both just sort of chasing like a, something that happened in their history that happened really well with you know, Green Bay taking Rodgers and then him succeeding Favre and how that all worked out. And this is similar with uh, them having Nick Foles lead them to the Super Bowl as a backup quarterback. That's something that's really rare and really has only happened once to Philly um, with backups you know, coming in and playing like that. And on top of that, when Philly did that, did win the Super Bowl with Foles, they had a complete roster from top to bottom. There really weren't any holes. They had a really solid defense. That team was had only had like one or two losses when Wentz went down. That was a really good roster. And this is a team right now that you look at. They have some big holes. They just have issues right now with, like, especially linebacker. 
they uh, did take um, the kid from Colorado, I believe, in the third round. But he's a really athletic traitsy guy. They have still they have issues in their secondary, secondary, and they right now the roster. Even if that team would have maybe beaten Seattle behind Jalen Hurts last year, even they probably weren't going to beat Green Bay with that roster. Even if Wentz comes back the next week, they definitely weren't beating San Francisco last year with that roster, nope. even with Wentz. So you need to build a complete roster to have a backup come in and play like play and lead you to a Super Bowl, and right now the roster just isn't at that point. So, No, I, I, I completely agree. I will say, though, shout-out to Jeff Hostetler in 1990 when he was a backup coming in for Phil Simms and beat what what team, Sherwood? <laughs> but yes, no, no, and your point is absolutely taken about about recent times uh, with the quarterback, where it, it is a little strange that, that what, what they are chasing there. Um, but all right, perfect. So we can just wrap up. Since I touched on the Giants, it's only fair to let you guys then go through your teams and what you think. Um, so we'll go. Sherwood, start with uh, the Buffalo Bills draft class. Um, I'm very happy with that. I think that, you know, obviously getting the guys – but they did. I think it's you know they didn't really have any pressing needs. I think the biggest need was an edge rusher and getting AJ Espina. Uh, Espinanza. Espinanza. That's what I kept saying, but it's I, it doesn't look correct to me. No, it's it's a strange name. I will give you that. Um, but getting him was you know obviously very important. He had uh you know I know in the Wackman's draft board he had him. You had him going thirty three, correct? You had him going second round two one, second round first pick. Yeah. Um, for me. Yeah. So I think that was I think that was a good pick. I think that. Um, but definitely needed that, getting Zach Moss and needed a running back. And, you know, obviously the big pick was, you know, Jake Fromm. I think it's very similar thing. As I text people, I said, I love the pick. I hope he never sees. I hope he never plays ever because that would be that would mean that Josh Allen has a Hall of Fame career and he won Super Bowl. So I hope the same thing with, you know, Jalen Hurts at the best case scenario is he never plays in meaningful down. <laughs> so that's the same thing. And getting a couple of good wide receivers and Gabriel Davis, a huge target, was big. And, uh, uh, um, Getting kicker Tyler Bass was good, and then um, Hodgkins for out or um, Hodgins out of um, Oregon State. I think was good. I think that he came out. What I've kind of read was he came out a year too early. Really should have stayed. And he could have been, you know, first or second round talent. So getting him in the sixth round was good. So I think that overall, I'm very happy with it. I think it's the first time really in our lifetime where the Bulls have gone to a gone to an offseason actually with a good team and with not many holes. The biggest hole was obviously the wide receiver. They took care of that with Stefan Diggs, so I think it's a very, you know, exciting time in Western New York. I think that the draft was, I told, I said too, I don't know if I told you guys, but I might have said in the episode, or maybe I told my parents, it was just, you know, whoever Brandon Bean ends up selecting, I'll be fine with, because he has a great track record over the last two years, so, you know, only, you know, the sky's the limit. I think that it was a very, I don't want to say basic draft, is it wasn't huge fireworks, but I think that players just followed them, and that's just what they had to do. Fair enough. Conrad, the Chicago Bears. Who did not have too many draft picks? Yeah, shocker. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So I'm not angry with the class. I'm not. I'm not pleased with it. It was a very, I think, mediocre draft. Um, they didn't fill some positions that I think they really did. Well, they did fill the positions, but not in the way I would have liked. Um, getting Cole uh, Komet out of Notre Dame for that tight end position, I do like that. Um, I've heard. I mean, he was the number one tight end in the draft class, so that that's good. And this team with Burton being cut need, needs that um, to run a two tight end set that Matt Nagy really wants to do and really hasn't been able to do in Chicago because they've struck out so many times. 
Um, but like I mentioned last week, they currently have nine guys on the roster that are that play tight end. Is it a ten now? Uh, I believe they cut somebody. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're whittling their way down. It's been, it's been between Bad. nine and twelve for like months. Bad intel from Big Cat. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I, I thought he said he. Um, yeah, from the Chicago radio I listened to, I think they just cut it to nine. Um, okay. Making strides. Yeah. So that's where I, I don't like that. You're kind of like Pat, how you were saying with the Giants, just throwing um, linebackers at the wall and hoping one sticks. Considering Jimmy Graham is the number one or tight end on this team right now, the Bears I, I don't really understand. Um, the Jalen Johnson, the corner, I think you really need another guy on the other side of Fuller. So I really like that pick um, out of Utah. So if um, if Walt does end up playing, I guess we'll have some somebody knows the in on him because um, you always got to have that. I really hated the um, trade up to get Travis Gibson in the third round or the fifth round. Um, just linebacker is not a position that I think the Bears were really struggling to have a guy. Like, they need, they still don't have a second starting safety. Um, their line is still absolute garbage, and they decided to get a position that they already have a guy for. Um, with, um, I think, they got like Roquan and everybody and Trevathan, which are inside guys, but they're still, the linebacker isn't a need for this team. And then they waited till their last two picks in the seventh round to get, um, to get. Uh, guard and a tackle. This offensive line sucks. The reason it sucks is because they only draft offensive linemen with seventh round picks. They should have invested one of their second round picks, or if they were trading up, traded up for a tackle or something. It makes no sense that they keep waiting this long and hope they find a diamond in a rough from a small school. Um, it's just unacceptable, and when the line fails again, and whoever's starting a quarterback is on their butt before they can throw it to any of their 15 tight ends, it's going to be because they don't draft linemen. And that's just what's going to happen again. They've never had a good offensive line in my life, and it's just never going to happen again. Fair, and, so. and Nolan wrap up with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who did not have a first-round pick because they traded it for Minka Fitzpatrick, but I'd say that that turned out pretty solid for them. Yeah, yeah, making the uh, trade for Fitzpatrick was definitely a great start to the draft for them. Um, then in the second, they were able, when they were able to grab um, uh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, I probably wouldn't, I, I like him a lot. He definitely has a lot of athletic upside, and he gives the Steelers really an interesting uh, setup now because now they have four receivers who can all win different ways. You have, you know, Washington is your deep threat, Deontay Johnson as sort of your, you know, shift gear underneath guy. And then Juju as your big slot, and now you have Claypool as sort of your sort of like do it all, almost like a move tight end role, even though he won't be playing that. And he has the athletic upside. I mean, his exact measurables in terms of athletic testing and height, weight were almost the same as uh, Megatron. I, I don't think he'll be Megatron, but you know, just that add on its own wasn't really encouraging for him. In the third round, they go and get Alex Highsmith, and he's definitely a high motor guy. And really, at the Steelers, their whole thing was they didn't have any like major positions that they needed to fill right away. They just needed depth, so they really went through and knocked out each depth position. That's what Highsmith does. They have two great outside linebackers. If one of them gets hurt, it's a big question mark. And then um, they got uh, Booger Jr. in the fourth, who's a shifty running back. And again, he's more of a change of pace back off of Connor and protects you for, for injuries because Connor has not been able to stay healthy at all his career. Mm. And then um, also in the fourth round, getting Dotson, who was a first-team All-American, and yeah, he probably has some athletic and like uh, little. Uh, he has some athletic 
limits abilities and he, limitations um, definitely has issues with length but um I, I like him a lot as again another just great depth piece for them so i think they did a good job sort of rounding out that roster and protecting themselves a little bit more against injury yeah, no, I, I agree. I actually, I do, I do like what Pittsburgh did. Uh, I and I agree on with Conrad's point that I think Chicago's was puzzling, and and I think the Bills continue to to kind of add to a, a pretty solid foundation. Um, but but that's where we are, and and that'll do it for for our show then. So that'll that'll wrap up the, this round trip or our draft preview. Um, hopefully, we can come to you semi soon with something else we'll we'll figure out some type of a of other topic but nolan what'd you think of your first time on the show oh it, it was a great time i'm glad you guys could have me thank you for having me on of course we're yeah, thrilled i do have one question for you before i go though yes. there's a couple of soccer leagues this week canceling oh and no declaring their seasons <laughs> how nervous are you about liverpool right now um <laughs> if you asked me this question three weeks ago i would say there's not a chance that they void this thing um you ask me that now and i am starting to sweat a little bit i i'm definitely starting to sweat that this thing could be voided and the 30-year wait can go on and i mean that would be just so classic of of my team and <laughs> but yeah also, i believe uh, i believe it was uh, about a week not even less than before this whole thing and everything got canceled was the first time you allowed yourself to believe that it was going to happen yes yeah so, it was it was when we that? oh yeah of course i of course of course i do it's a disaster um and of course the the season couldn't have gotten suspended about a week before it did when liverpool lost their first game and then lost to atletico madrid um could have could have used could have used the suspension a little quicker there thanks uk for uh for making sure to uh, to get out in front of problems um but yeah no I, i'm definitely nervous at this point and it'll be something to watch to see what happens because i don't know what they're gonna do at this point i mean they, they've talked about trying to return in mid-june i mean i know the bundesliga is trying to come back in a couple weeks um but with with france now suspending until september and canceling their league and belgium's canceled and and the Dutch have canceled. It's it's starting to stack up a little bit. But all right, that'll do it. Any uh, any final thoughts there, guys, on our NFL draft recap? No, no. All right. So like I said, that'll wrap it up for us. We will be back um, pretty much whenever we can with uh, with some fun fun topics to get through. But thank you very much, Nolan Wacker, for coming on the show. For Jack Sherwood for and Conrad Bayer, of course. I'm Pat Zhang. This is Round Trip Run 891. Go Cats.